0: Welcome to another episode of Vet School Unleashed Dissecting the DVM, where we dissect topics and issues relating to life in veterinary school. I'm your host, Seth Williams, and I'm a veterinary student at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. Today's podcast is sponsored by Fear Free. Fear Free provides online and in-person education to veterinary professionals, the pet professional community, and pet owners. Fear Free has become one of the single most transformative initiatives in the history of companion animal practice. It provides unparalleled education on emotional well-being, enrichment, and the reduction of fear, anxiety, and stress in pets. I'm really excited to welcome on a special guest today who is a friend of mine from Mizzou and a recent veterinary school graduate. I was really, really touched when she reached out to me a couple months ago about wanting to come onto the podcast and share a bit about her Natalie experience in a really vulnerable way. So unfortunately, she did not pass the NAVLI on her first attempt, but killed it on the second try. So I wanted to ask her about what helped and what didn't help in her prep for the NAVLI, how her prep differed between the first and second tries, and overall, what did she learn from the experience? I also wanted to help remove some of the stigma and bad juju when it comes to talking about what happens when you don't pass the NAVLI on your first, second, third or even fourth tries. Uh, I hope that you'll come away with some really good tips and guidance, not only for the NAVLE, but life in general. So welcome to the podcast. How's it going?
1: Good. Thank you for having me.
0: Good. Well, thank you so much for being here and being uh, so willing to come on and talk about your NAVLE experience. Um, I know it's not a fun topic in any way you look at the NAVLE, but I appreciate you uh, wanting to come on and listen to the podcast and and just... Uh, coming on to share your story. So I want to start off by just asking you a bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, uh, and what you're doing.
1: I am from the St. Louis area originally. I went to Mizzou, of course, and I am a recent graduate now at a small animal general practice.
0: Great. And how's uh, how's work and working life? I love it. Good. Um, yeah, we, we were talking about it before we re- started recording and um, how envious I was of you finding such a great job and being out of school and um, just how great it sounds. So it sounds like you're doing quite well. And um, Thank you. And uh, yeah, it just makes me more excited to get out into practice and out of school. So yes. So good for you. Um, so uh, to the topic of the day. So the NAVALI, which um, we're recording this, uh, what is today? October twenty eighth, Navalee season is coming up, um, and you took the Navalee last year. I did. Um, so wanted to ask you about your experience because I know you have a bit of a, a unique Navalee experience and and uh, something that a lot of people don't typically talk about, which is kind of what you what you went through with the Navalee. Even though in the end, um, you know, you're a successful veterinarian now, but your journey toward that was a little bit may let's say. Um, Different than some of the other students uh, graduating from vet school are taking the Navle, so I wanted to ask about um, your Navle experience, and, and we can get into uh, tips and tricks that you have for the Navle and 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 your your tips for students that are going to be taking it this come this time around and and for the future.
1: Yes, so I unfortunately did not pass the Navle on my first try. I missed the passing score by just a matter of a few points, mm-hmm. and did have to take that again a second time. But i really feel like i learned a lot about how best to study and what i needed to do differently in order to pass the second time and so my goal is to share some of that information in the hopes that it prevents someone else the stress of having to take it a second time
0: right so tell me what you did in terms of your prep the first time around
1: so the first time i mostly relied on that prep Okay. and i really thought that I was pretty well off. I had completed over 90% of vet prep at the time that I took the first exam. And I knew I was lucky enough to be on a pretty low-key rotation shortly before the NAVLE, so one where my classmates and I had a lot of downtime mm-hmm. to study. And, you know, I would hear other classmates, other rotation mates talking about only being at thirty or forty percent. And so I, you know, not that I wasn't nervous by any right, means, right. but I, I felt like I was really doing everything that I could at that point, that I had mu- I had done as much of vet prep as I possibly could. Right. And it turned out that Unfortunately, the vet prep by itself was not enough, not to say that it it isn't a great study tool because I used it the second time Mm -hmm. as well when I did pass. But you just there's extra work outside of vet prep that has to be put in. And I did not realize that enough sure. the first time around.
0: OK. And how far in advance did you start vet prep? Because that's a, that's a big question for a lot of at least the, the third years right now is that when do they start? I've heard of some students starting now, which, in my opinion, may be a little bit early if they're going to be taking it one full year from now or over a year from now. Um, but then I've also heard of fourth years that started studying for the NAVALI literally a month or month and a half before the test. When did you start?
1: I believe I started in June the first time.
0: Okay. Cool. Um, so so vet prep you finished nearly all of it right um took the took the exam barely did not pass unfortunately so what did you do differently or what do you think um made the difference your second time studying for it
1: so there were three really big things that made a difference for me that second time the first one was using vet prep again, but taking time to understand the topics that vet prep was going through Mm -hmm. rather than just going through the questions themselves. So, a friend of mine had given me a tip that she used studying for the first time, something that really helped me the second time was I bought the clinical advisor textbook, Hmm. which is a really nice cliff notes type version of all of these different, different diseases, different diagnoses, et cetera, et cetera. This is
0: the Cote clinical advisor? I believe so. yeah. Yeah.
1: And so basically when I would get a question wrong on vet prep and it was about X topic, I would go look that up in the book, and then I would write down, here's the most common presentation, here's the clinical signs, you know, differentials, the diagnostic testing, the treatment, just kind of, you know, bullet point notes about topics that I was missing questions on Mm -hmm. that then made me remember that better for the future. Sure,
0: great. Um, And I also say that, because I do not own the Cote, Clinical Advisor, but I have the. I think it's Blackwell. It's a similar. It's like the five minute yeah, consult.
1: that's a good uh, one too. And
0: there, there, there are a few similar books out there. And and with it being such a great tool for for the navly studying, like you said, I think it's also a great tool. Either any of those books to have um, for clinical practice, right. uh, clinical work in school, and then also obviously out in practice. So um, I guess that's a little side piece. So so you you used um, Clinical Advisor. Uh, in addition to vet prep. And, and I meant to ask you the first time around. Um, so vet prep, obviously, for those of you that don't know, you can do uh, the question bank, you could also take their practice exams, which, as far as I can tell, are pretty much the same as the practice questions, just in timed format, and they give you a grade at the end. Uh, but they also have these uh, the power pages and power lectures. Right. Did you use any of those? Uh, either of the times Uh,
1: I did use the power pages I did not use the power lectures because I did not pay for the premium subscription
0: cool Um, because I wonder how much time um, should really be spent towards the power pages Um, I feel like a lot of students myself included spend more time on the questions but I know that the power pages can be a really good um, very quick I guess overview of whatever topic it's going to be I'm not sure how relevant that would be um, for the test but um, I I do think that looking a little bit more at those could probably help as well absolutely cool so what what else uh, would you recommend in terms of what you would have changed
1: so the second thing that I did my weakest area on the navly taking it the first time around was equine I scored almost 20 points lower on equine than any other area. Okay. And I knew going into it that I was not a large animal or a horse-interested student, right. so I knew that that was going to be tougher for me from the beginning, mm-hmm. but I also had the equine rotation shortly before board, so I okay. really thought that that was gonna be enough to prepare me, that mm-hmm. I would be okay. And unfortunately it was not, that was not the case, or the way that turned out. So I ended up getting a tutor from the equine department, and I worked with her, it was only once a week for about an hour or so, we probably did a total of five to 10 sessions, I would say. And just that little bit of extra help in an area that I struggled in on the second exam brought my equine score up almost those 20 points that it was lacking the first time i probably could have passed just on that tutoring alone that that was a big enough difference so i think that you know don't be afraid to ask for help don't be afraid to go out of your way to get the extra attention in an area that you need or that you're worried about you know so many of the clinicians and faculty at school are really willing to go above and beyond and be helpful and even just within your friend group I'll I'll come back to this a little bit on my third tip but you know being able to talk with friends who have different strengths and weaknesses than you do you know really helps a lot
0: right definitely and also remind everybody too, that that hasn't looked into the navle this much, and, and even for uh, the fourth years that are getting ready to take the navle, is that the test really like three quarters of it literally is uh, small land dogs and cats, yeah, equine and bovine. So. Right. I know a lot of us are worried about not knowing a lot about pigs or about poultry or, or pocket pets and things like that. Um, and to be honest, it's probably okay that you don't know a whole lot because that in total is a very, very, very small percentage of the exam. Um, you are much better off, in my opinion, spending most of your time studying on those four big areas. Um, so like like for me at first i thought that i should spend a lot of time studying chickens because i don't know squat about chickens um but after kind of doing more research on the navali and getting closer to it uh i realized that it's much better in terms of i guess return on investment if you want to look at it that way in terms of time to spend more time on those four main species rather than than the the species that they ask maybe only a few questions on right um so like for you for equine um you know, maybe if you if you had talked to a clinician beforehand, or if you'd spent a little more time on that, that may have made a difference. Um, but for people that are out there that are spending more time on on some of the more obsolete species, maybe try not to freak out as much uh, and spend some more time on on the those big four species and and focusing on the the ones that you may feel weakest in.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: All right. So third tip.
1: Yes. So my third tip, and I, I know this may scare some people away, but would 100% be to study in a group, mm-hmm. at least sometimes. Okay. Because I have never been a group studier. I really the first time did all my studying for the NAVLI individually. And the biggest thing that helped me pass the second time was my really wonderful friends. And I'm gonna cry talking about this but the first time I only did one of the the practice tests the actual NVBME Mm -hmm. practice tests that you can buy online right I had done one of those and it had actually given me it predicted a successful passing rate for Mm -hmm. boards so I really wasn't worried about doing more than one after receiving those results. And second time through I ended up not only going back through that first one that I had already done, but additionally buying all four of the practice tests and had these friends that even though they had already passed the first time and did not have to spend their remaining time of clinics studying again with me rather than enjoying their free time that would spend all day on a Sunday or at the minimum several hours a week basically going through these practice tests with Mm -hmm. me. And what we would do was hook one of our laptops actually up to a TV so that the questions would come up in a slideshow format on Mm -hmm. the TV and we would just talk through every single question and they would make me before they would give me any indication they would make me answer the question and give a rationale say why i thought that or why i had made that decision or at least narrow down the choices to what i knew was wrong Mm -hmm. and what could be right and then we would sit there and talk through every single one of the answer choices and why each one was or wasn't right if there was one we didn't know, we would sit there and we would look it up and work on it until we figured out the answer. And that just really helped. It really helped my decision-making process, taking the NABLI a second time, being able to feel more calm, feel more confident and relaxed and be able to sit there you know, and go through the same thought process in my head as if I was just sitting on the couch with my right. friends
0: that's great that it's great that you were able to have that support group and i think that's pretty common in our profession that we're so open and warm and, and inviting and and we should probably take more advantage of that
1: right um, right well and that you know that's not to say don't sit at home you know and do your vet prep by yourself at night or to only study in a group but I know that this same group of friends that helped me the second time around that they did this same kind of a thing that they did some of the practice tests together the first time mm-hmm. and i really feel like that would have made a big difference for me there yeah. there were also there were questions that i still remember taking the Navli a second time where i could hear you know one of my friends voices in my head saying a fact that right went along with that question and mm-hmm. that that helped me get a question right. Hmm.
0: That's a really, really good tip. Um, I honestly never thought about having one like a NABLE party where you just kind of go through questions. Right. Um, so, and, uh,
1: you know, again, that, that plays to, you know, even if you don't go full on to the aspect of tutoring, you know, just having having a group of friends where everyone is gonna have their strengths and weaknesses. You know, you might have some large animal friends versus some small animal friends, or one of my friends that was helping me happened to be really good at cardio, and so she helped me a lot with mm-hmm. those questions. Yeah. You know, so just just having basically experts in every area and being able to play off of each other's strengths.
0: Right. That's great. Um, yeah, that's a really great tip. I, I, I definitely think leaning on our friends, because we're all sitting together with all of these different strengths in each of these different areas of veterinary medicine. And that's kind of one of the, um, the hardest parts, in my opinion, about this is that while... Like you and me are going to be general practitioners, uh, we have to know all the stuff about species and and veterinary work that we're probably not going to do much uh, in our later career. So if you can really lean on friends that that have interests other than yours, it can really help out when you have to take this um, this huge test that is more of a pain in the butt than anything. But um, but you know, that that's terrific, and I'm glad that that was such a great um, yeah. a great study tool for you to have. So going back to taking the actual Mm navly, how did you feel the first time you took it? Was it um, as nerve-wracking as you thought? Were you really nervous while you were taking it? Do you think that had an impact on on how you did? Um, And then how did you feel coming out of the exam? in comparison to how it was like the second time around?
1: So the first time I actually felt pretty good about the exam. As good as you can, you know, by the time you're done, you're absolutely exhausted. It is a very long, time-consuming, and energy-consuming test. One side note is I really do recommend taking as many of your breaks as possible even if they're short, it helps keep you mentally sharp, keep you from burning out.
0: And bring food.
1: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) 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 But you hear this stereotype, everyone says, everyone always says that no one feels good coming out of the Mm NAVLI. And I actually thought that I did okay, not that I was overly confident, but I felt like I had been able to at least narrow down every question to a few answer choices that there weren't, there wasn't an overwhelming number of questions that I just had no idea the answer to. So I really thought I had done okay, and then that definitely contributed to my nerves going into the second test. I, I was afraid, I was afraid to feel good or bad about it, because it seemed like it wouldn't work out in my favor right. either way. Right. And I actually finished the second test almost two hours earlier.
0: Holy moly. than I did the
1: first test. Wow. And I didn't know what to think about that either. I wasn't sure if that was a good sign or a bad sign, mm-hmm. but it turned out to be good. I got I guess all the extra work that I had done meant I knew Yeah. I knew my information better. Right.
0: Was there any difference in the way that you felt you took the exam in terms of I guess as much strategy as there can be while you're taking the navly, was there anything different in the way you looked at the questions, the way that you approached the questions? Um, any tips that you have for for us going into it that that apply to to actually taking the exam that day?
1: I mean, definitely not overthinking. The question if you know the right answer don't go back and second guess yourself but at the same time and it's funny because this sounds like it would make it take longer and it actually took shorter the second time right. but taking the time to read through each answer question and again this whole process that i really developed from working through those practice tests with my friends of giving myself a reason for why each answer choice could be wrong or right, and mm-hmm. then picking the most convincing one. Okay,
0: great. And did you feel rushed while you were taking the exam? I know that there's, uh, what, 60 questions in each section and you have a little over an hour to, to complete each, each section. Um, did you feel like you had to really kind of move your butt along and, and, and not um, kind of take a, take a second with each question and read it through really, really well? or did you feel like you had enough time?
1: I did not feel rushed. I remember the first time around, I know I had about 10 minutes left at the end of each section that was pretty consistent. And then to be honest with you, I don't I don't quite remember the timing of each individual section on yep. the second test, just more the overall timing.
0: Sure, sure. okay, great, that's, that's terrific information. Alright, so I want to switch gears real quickly, but before I do, let's take a quick break and give a quick shout-out to today's sponsor, Fear Free. With the knowledge of Fear Free, you can be financially successful and emotionally wealthy by joining the tens of thousands of your veterinary colleagues who have become Fear Free certified. Fear Free is an online education program, and it is free. Yes, free to all veterinary students. And talk about adding value to you. It's actually known that past graduates have reported job offers that are two to five thousand dollars higher than their classmates by being Fear Free certified. So, to put that into longer term numbers, two thousand dollars higher starting salary can reduce your lifetime debt by over fifty thousand dollars. Yes, it's an amazing online education program that's sweeping veterinary medicine, and it's free to you. It will allow you to do well by doing good and be financially successful and emotionally wealthy in truly the greatest profession on earth. So don't delay. Go to fearfreepets.com and light the booster rockets on your career. Let's let's switch gears uh, for a second as, as we kind of close this out, and... I wanted to ask you and kind of get your feelings about this this stigma about th- those of us that don't pass the exam the first time, um, that do, uh, of course, eventually pass. And I wanted to use you as a, as a great example because you're extremely su- successful out in practice now. Um, the NAVLE, the fact that you took it twice did not have any bearing on you getting a job, um, your ability to practice medicine, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like it's such a... like a taboo thing to talk about unfortunately but it happens to so many people right um and i really feel like it shouldn't be such a uh, again a taboo thing to talk about um obviously it was probably a really crappy thing to see when you got that that email that day um and and you had to go through more of the hardship of studying and going through all that with with paying the exam and taking the exam and, and just all all that that mess again but um but, you know, like, look at you now and, and you know, you're a big grown up veterinarian. So, um, so that's why I wanted to ask you about it with your positive experience in the end of it. Um, but what are your thoughts about, you know, for, for those of us that happen to not pass the first time around, with it not being the end of the world, with it not being something that you need to beat yourself up over or, or quit, you know, your veterinary career over, you um, i'd just like to hear your thoughts about you know for those of us that 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 may happen to this time around or any time around in the future um your your i guess your words of wisdom uh, for that
1: first of all just do not give up because you will pass it even if you don't pass it on the first time and i think about even though i did feel okay after taking the first test At the same time, there was a part of me when I got those results, even though I was really initially disappointed in the results and in myself as well, I thought about the fact that part of me couldn't be surprised because I just, I think about how many times I took the ACT to get into, undergrad in the first place how many times i took the gre to get into vet school right some of us just aren't good standardized test takers and that is not an indication of how you're going to perform as a vet right and like you said i did not find out that i had passed the second time until the day after graduation wow so I went through graduation day not knowing if I was really truly done or not. Right. But I got my dream job, my first choice job. This did not affect that at all. I did not end up taking a job that I was unhappy with or that I felt like was a lesser choice. Right. And I'm exactly where I wanna be now. So it may have taken a little bit longer, a little bit more time and effort to get there, but it really is okay. And another big thing would just be, again, that you're not alone and to count on those classmates that may be in the same situation as you. Right. Because I know that I know that the day we got our results after the first test, we were sent an email by Dr. Barrent and Dr. Tennyson saying that they don't get the results as quickly as we do. Mm-hmm. And so that if we need to sign up for it again, that we needed to be in contact with them right away. Okay. And Dr. Barrent actually asked, do we have your permission to share your name? Obviously not with the general population, but with other students who hadn't passed, Okay. which I immediately said yes to right away because I wanted as much help as I could get. Yep. And there turned out I believe there were 5 or 6 of us total in my class that did not pass and only one other person ended up giving their name. Wow. So there were 3 to 4 people out there that did this again but totally on their own and I think that that would have made a difficult process even more difficult, you know, right. even just the this other student was not someone that I was even much of an acquaintance with much less a friend but just having that person to talk to we never studied together once mm-hmm. but having them to talk to and say you know hey what are you doing different this time or just knowing that somebody is going through the same thing as you and that somebody understands
0: right right
1: really makes a big difference and i know you know i had i had a friend in the class a year above my class that had mm-hmm. not passed. So I reached out to her for advice, you know, just having, having people to talk to and to be able to get the help you need right. is important.
0: Right. It's such a, I think a thing we keep coming back to in, in, in a lot of topics about vet school. And I've talked about this, uh, about taking tests in your first and second year of vet school. And if you don't, you don't pass, you don't do as well. It's such a thing to to kind of put your ego out there and try to stay quiet and don't let other people know. But in the end, at least in my own experience with, with not doing well on certain exams and, and having both experiences of staying quiet versus reaching out for help, it's even though it hurts and it's really hard to do, it makes such a difference in my opinion. And I, and I know that you can attest to this to, to put your ego down for a second and let people, uh, come to your side and help you and support you because um, this is like the best profession for that to happen in. Um, right. I think we're pretty, pretty lucky and maybe even sometimes take it for granted how supportive we are of, of each other and how uh, nice of a, of a community we are. Um, and, and that should be no different for something like the NAVLE because it like, like your example in your story and, and your success, not passing the NAVLE on the first time and even the second time or the third time um, should not have any, um, you know, uh, should not hit you hard in, in, in ego. And, um, it's not going to have, uh, at least in most cases, not going to have much of an effect, if any effect on your job or your future. Um, so, so reach out to people, you know, don't, don't do it alone because there are people out there that, that this is happening to, and that it's happened to. So, um, so, so I really like what you said about leaning on your friends and, and, and you're not friends, just people that are, that are going through it, uh, with you. So that's, that's really great to hear. Yeah. All right. Well, before we end this great conversation, and I want to get thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and these great tips for for not only the navle but I think also life as a veterinarian and life as a vet student in general. Uh, I know it's been extremely valuable for me, and I hope that uh, you all out there listening to it will will take home some really good pointers and, and, and things to do, uh, not only uh, when it comes time to studying for the navle, but, but also when you're taking your anatomy exams and all, all the, 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 the litany of exams that we're taking in vet school, because I think this is really great information and, uh, and great outlook on what happens when things don't go your way and how things can change. Um, so my last question to you, more of a, a, a broad question, very broad question, but now that you're out, you're a, you're a grown-up uh, veterinarian, looking back on your vet school experience what would be like one piece of advice you'd have for for vet students going through it now
1: just to enjoy it while you're there because i know we all hate it at the time we're going through it but i really do miss it
0: okay great point to to end on so so again one more time thank you so much i hope you had fun uh me on the podcast i appreciate you reaching out and and coming on with me um this was a terrific conversation, and just thank you again.
1: Good luck to everyone taking the navle this fall.
0: And thanks once more again to today's sponsor, Fear Free. Do not miss the great opportunity to learn more about Fear Free and become Fear Free certified, which is currently complimentary for veterinary students. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. And thanks for listening to the Vet School Unleashed podcast. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes and let us know what you think about the podcast. For resources and more information, please check us out at www.vetschoolunleashed.com or find me on Instagram at Seth The Almost Vet or on Facebook. You can also connect with me via email at Seth at vetschoolunleashed.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's podcast and would love to hear any suggestions or topics that you want to hear us talk about. Even reach out if you want to be on the podcast and share some insight of your own. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time on Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM.